0: Raina and I, I just want to say thank you for allowing us to be your pastors. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for being on the journey. And what a journey it is. What a journey it's been. Um, and so, what a long, strange journey it's been. Anyway, no, it's good. good. Good stuff. And so, we want to say thank you. If you're visiting today again, uh, this is our 11th anniversary. And, uh, and we, we love to celebrate. And we're celebrating God coastline loves to celebrate anything if you notice that like any reason to get the kona ice truck out here we're in it's like yeah wait a minute this is the first sunday that's ever fell on a sunday we need to get the kona ice truck out here it should be in some of our staff meetings we think that way um no but we're celebrating god's goodness god's goodness and the fact that jesus christ is so good so good. Um, courageous. We've been in this series called Courageous. I believe this will be about the ninth installment in this series. And, and so we define courageous. Courageous is defined as mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, are difficulty, and we've asked the question, some questions like, what causes someone else to run in when everyone else is running out, what causes some people to storm the beach when others are, are scared to, what causes someone to, to walk into your life, to be a friend when everybody else is walking out, I believe with all of my heart, it's moral strength to venture persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty, being courageous, today I want to talk to you about the Courageous Church. The courageous church. I believe with all of my heart that God has placed Coastline Community Church right where He wants us. We first moved here. We were looking for buildings, and I had the idea that we would just move here and 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 you know put up a sign and find a building, and people would come and they would get saved, and and you know it would be easy, and this and that and the other, and nothing worked out the way we thought it would work out. Thank God it didn't work out that way, and and so, but but I believe God's time. He has us right here in this span of time for such a time as this. A courage. This community needs a courageous church. This community needs a church that's not scared to to face. The problems that our community is facing, to face the drug addiction our community is facing, to face the family dysfunction our community is facing, to face the all out attack of the enemy on this. See, God didn't place me in Georgia, God didn't place me in LA, and God didn't place me in Africa. God placed me right here on the space coast. This is where I'm planted. This is where you're planted. This is where we're going to grow. This is where we're going to make a difference. This is where we're going to glorify God. This is where we're going to be a light in a dark world. This is where we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. This is where we're going to introduce people to Jesus. This is where we're going to let people know Jesus is the X factor to change. Jesus can change your life. The world is is going crazy right now, but God is still in control. Jesus Christ is the X factor to change. He can change your life. And if you'll give him a chance, whether you're here today, maybe you don't know him or watching online, he can change your life. That's why Coastline Community exists. We exist to introduce people to to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Courageous Church, the courageous Church, and and so I, I took this story, and you'll find it in First Samuel thirty. But let me let me set the stage for you just just a moment, and you would you would read this this story. You think, Jason, what, what in the world does this have to do with a church? Well, David is running from King Saul, scared for his life. And as he runs, he runs, you know, out into the En into the wilderness. And and the Bible says that his family, some of his family members and like derelicts and people who owed money and people who were had a, a court date due, they didn't want to make. You, get, you know what I'm saying? Just like, so there's 600 men it says that went with David out into the wilderness. And so they're going out to battle supposedly with the enemy. But what they're doing is, is they're turning they're, they're at the back and they're turning on the enemy and they're killing the enemy. But the enemy doesn't even, even know it because they kill all of them. And so, so they're doing such great things that an enemy king, King Akash, gave them a place called Ziklag to have as their home because they're kicking butt for him, he thinks. And so, so they go out to fight and there's this quarrel. And they say, no, David can't go fight with us. Perhaps he'll turn on us in battle. They're finally getting smart. So King Akash said, go back to the land I've given you. Go back to Ziklag. So, so what does this have to do with a courageous church? Eugene Patterson says in his book, Leap Over a Wall, that that, that this, this is actual a portrait. This is kind of a picture of the first New Testament church that we see in the Bible. David being a foreshadow of Christ, the head of the church. We know Christ is the head of the church. And a bunch of messed up people following a leader. A bunch of, you know, deep, see? Messed up people following Jesus Christ. And so, so we see this as kind of a foreshadow of the New Testament church. And we, we can learn a lot from, from this story today. Are you ready? 1 yeah. Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 through 5. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. So they've been out fighting. They come home. Came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there, was, there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Noam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive captive. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that it's a change agent. Would you use your word to change our hearts today so that we can change the community that you've placed us in? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Number one, the courageous church knows the battle is the Lord's. The courageous church knows the battle is the Lord's. The courageous church does not bury its head in the sand and say there is no battle. If we're good enough, God's going to be good enough. There is no spiritual warfare. We know that there is a battle that's raging. We know that there is the enemy of our soul. We know that he's after our children. We know that he can't get us addicted enough. We know that he hates our souls. We know that he can't open his mouth without lying. We know there's a spiritual battle that's going on, that's been going on, and is going to go on until the trumpet sounds and Jesus decides to finally crush the serpent under his foot, which will happen. It has happened at the cross and it will finally happen. So watch this, 1 Samuel 36. So, So everybody's weeping aloud. David's wives have been taken. Everybody's sons and daughters and wives have been taken. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people, all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. So you got to play this out. They come home. Everything's burned. Everything's gone. There's nothing left. My sons are gone. My daughters are gone. My wives are gone. But what's going on? Everything's gone. And so in perfect human nature, they react. And you know, what are they going to do? They're going to blame the leader, right? So let's stone David. And that's going to make everything. That'll make everything all right. So, so David's very distressed. The, 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 the courageous church... The courageous Christian realized the battle is the Lord. And so David takes what he knows to be true to himself. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. One version says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Oh, how important it is when all hell breaks loose in your life that you have a secret place that you can go to and encourage yourself in the Lord when those around you who are supposed to support you let you down, when, when there's more month at the end of the money, when you don't know which way to turn, you can encourage yourself. And look, let me tell you, friend, uh, when all hell breaks loose in your life, that's not the time to decide to have a devotional. I think I'll start reading my Bible now. If, if you have good, that's a good starting point. Sometimes God brings us there. But oh, how important is it to have that place, that secret place? I, I love the, the wording here. But David strengthened himself in his God. The Lord, his God. This was a, this was a personal worship service. This was a personal personal realignment of God and circumstance. Circumstance not looking good. They're going to stone me. God, you are God. God, you delivered me from the lion and the bear. God, you delivered Goliath into my hand. God, you God. What God? I'm going to just worship you until my circumstance begins to fade away and your greatness begins to come forefront. I'm taking look at Psalms 23. David's writing, and, and he in the first four or five verses, he's talking about God. You know that he said, "You, you." And he's talking about God around verse five or six. He begins. There's a shift that happens, and he stops talking about God and starts talking. To God. Because when you start talking about God's goodness in your life, and you start remembering how he's been good, even in the hard times. How he saw you through, even when you didn't think you were going to make it through. How when everybody else walked out, his spirit walked in. How when everybody else walked out, a few good men walked in, or or women in your life. You begin to worship God, and you begin to realize how good he is, and how great he is. Let me tell you, a courageous church realizes the battle is the Lord's, so I'm going to go to the one who owns the the battle, and I'm going to strengthen myself in him. Amen. Think about that for a second. He owns the battle. The battle is his, so I'm going to go directly to him, and I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. I, I'm telling you, the pseudo-Christianity, the surface-level Christianity that is sweeping across America, that has Christians in a coma right now, is that, that Christianity that is just kind of like, well, God loves me, and I love him, and everything's okay, and everything's going to work out. But, but in reality, God's saying, hey, you may want to wake up, get on your face, remember how good I am, and, and, and believe me for more. Have faith for more. We'll get to that in a minute. But but David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. What a personal statement there. What a personal, and oh, what an opportunity we have as Christ followers to know God personally. That's what he desires. He desires, we, we don't, we're not called to know God through a pastor or through a priest or through a family member. Or, you know, I know God through my grandma or I know God through my parents. No, God says, I want to know you for who you, matter of fact, he says, I do know you. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I know when a hair falls from your head. I know. I know these things about you. He intimately knows us, and he desires that we reciprocate that to him. His, David, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. If someone did an inventory of your life and began to look at your life, could you say? Would they say that's your God, or would they look at some other thing in your life and say, "No, that's your God"? Because I'm telling you, when all hell breaks loose and, and people are talking about stoning you, and hopefully that hasn't happened lately to you, but if it were to happen, there's certain gods in our life that aren't going to be able to do much for us. Wow. Number two, the courageous church is rooted in the Word of God and led by the Spirit of God. This is so, so, so important. First Samuel 30, verse 7 then David said to Abathar the priest, Amalek's son, priest please, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now what is an ephod? Who is Abathar? Abathar was the priest. He was the priest traveling with, with David, and he and so he had stuck close to David. What is an ephod? An ephod was like a vest, and it had different colored stones on it, precious gems and stones. And when the priest would inquire of the Lord, yes, no, maybe whatever, these stones would light up on this vest, and that would that would give answer to the priest. This is symbolic to the Holy Spirit in our life. For Jesus said, I must go away so another can come. And that one that's going to come is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you in all manner of truth. He's going to lead you. He's going to be beside you. He's going to comfort you. And so in the New Testament, we read the Old Testament through a New Testament lens. We see that this represents the Holy Spirit in the story. This is how David connected with God. Now, the Bible says, who knows the mind of a man except for the spirit of a man? And who knows the mind of God except for the spirit of a God? So, except for the spirit of God. So, we can understand the mind of God through the Holy Spirit because he has given the spirit of God to those who believe in him. So, watch this. Please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So, spirit led. Verse 8. So, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop, and shall I overtake them? David was such a great warrior, because he hardly ever went out to fight any time, if he didn't already know he was going to win. He knew he was going to kill Goliath. No one else believed him, but he knew. So David inquired the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop, shall I overtake them? And he answered, he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. What is David doing? David is strengthening himself in the Lord his God. He's realigning his circumstance in reference to God's greatness. As he does that, he then says, you know what, God, you're big enough to answer me. Hey, go get the vehicle, which was the ephod and the priest in which I can ask God a question. So then God, uh, David puts it back on God. What's David doing? David's trying to get a word from God. David's trying to get a word from God shall I pursue them and will I overtake them what great questions in other words should I slip out in the middle of the night so I don't get stoned or should, should, I, take, should I pursue them but I'm not going to stop there should I pursue them and will, will we win it's basically what he's asking. He's trying to get a word from God. He's strengthened himself in the Lord. He's called on the priest. He's called on the avenue to communicate with God. Now he's asking God for a word for victory. How important is it that we have a word? If you get a word from God for yourself, for your circumstance, there's, absolute, there's nothing that can stop a man or woman of God who's truly heard from God, a spirit-led through the word. Now I'm not talking about a, a word from God. God gave me a word for you. Well, does it line up with his word? I don't know. Then I mean, get out of my face. Right? This is his word. This is the love letter he left for us. This is his instruction book. And so here's, here's the deal. Get a word from God. How important is it to get a word from God? Man, you get a word from God, the enemy will attack. And you'll be hearing voices that you've never heard. But you can't do that. You can't do this. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, I'm going to give you two scriptures and, and let me give you some groundwork here since we're being nostalgic and celebrating. I don't think I've ever shared these two scriptures with you. We were about 12 and a half years ago, Raina and I were still doing what we are doing in Memphis, youth ministry, great ministry, impact in the city. Um... You know, just God was doing just amazing things. Anthony's a byproduct of that that ministry, uh, as well as our children's pastor Joe, and 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 just so so this idea of leaving was just unheard of in the realm of the church world, right? You would never want to leave a ministry like that. What people didn't understand is I never really got into the ministry as a career thing. I just got into it because God asked me to do something. And I just did the next thing, and then the next thing happened, and then the next thing happened. Well, we found ourselves. I found myself super frustrated. And teenagers were really starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> now, if your parents of a teenager here, you can't leave. You have got to you gotta stick it out. I promise you they come back around, right? They may be an alien right now, but they will come back. It, 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 and teenagers in this room right now, you're not really an alien. Your parents are, no, just kidding. No, so I start, started to begin to be frustrated and, and didn't know what God was doing. And this, this, was, on the, this was on the heels of, of me being, uh, I was on the way to Amman, Jordan to do some underground training for, um, for youth pastors and thought I had appendicitis. And, and so uh, anybody else want to leave? You, you need to go. Does anybody else need to go? Okay. Yeah. others there's a nursery number. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> I said that one time, and somebody got so mad at me. But it's my ADD kicks in, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, <laughs> oh, here we go. So, so um I know them. They'll be fine. So, so. So super frustrated. On the way to Mount Jordan, got sick. Three months in the hospital. I gotta hurry. And and so so anyway, come out of the sickness and realize, look, God, you're doing something. I'm so frustrated. I, told, I said, God, I am not eating. I'm not doing anything. I'm not sleeping until you give me a word on what's going on in my heart. You've got to settle my heart here, or you just gotta move. You gotta do something. I don't care if I go back to sales or project manager or whatever it is. Maybe my time in ministry's done. I don't know. But you've got to do something because I'm miserable. You ever been in that dry place where you're just miserable? You're just following God, doing the right things. So, so here, here we are. So I, I go upstairs, and I'm sucking carpet. I'm crying out to God, and I got my Bible open, and, and I'm like, Lord, you have got to show me, and I turn over to Romans 15:20. This is like 12, 12 and a half years ago. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. So immediately God spoke to my heart. You're going to start something new. Like, oh, yeah, I got it. So I ran downstairs. And I ran, we're going to start something new. And she's like, what? I don't know. Where? I don't know. She's like, go back upstairs. <laughs> Turned over to Jeremiah 32, 39 through 41. Now watch this. This was a promise. This was such a personal promise from God to me. And this is what he'll do for you if you'll get it in his word. This is what he'll do for you if you seek him. I will give them singleness of heart and action. That was for Raina and I. Because we're about to move a thousand miles from home. We didn't know it at the time. So that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Check this out. I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. Look at verse 41. I will rejoice in doing good and will assuredly replant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Man, I I read those words replants, and some versions say plant. And I'd been thinking about church plant and in this land because I didn't know we were going to go to Africa. I didn't know we were going to like all over. I didn't know. Like I was just an open book before God. And 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 when I saw I'm going to replant them in this land, I'm like, all right, we're staying in America. That's a good thing. And but where? And then the journey starts. But but all through that, I had men of God in my life that said, "You are nuts." I had people I respected say, "Are you sure you heard from God?" I had family members that. Said, you have got to be off your rocker. All your family's here, you're making a good living. There were certain people in my life that finally said they saw the fire. Because see, when you get a word from God, you're like David, you get this fire in your eyes, and you and you believe and you see things other people can't see, and you begin to believe them like they're really there. And you and no one can talk you out of it. No one can say this, that, or the other that's gonna convince you a better offer can't come along because you know that you know that you know deep in your heart, God has called. He called you to do something, and he's given you a word. David strengthened himself in God. He realigned God with his circumstances. He inquired of the Lord, and then he gets a word from God. Those two scriptures right now are why I am standing here. You Think about that for your situation. That, is, that word of God, that's, that, that, that's for you. There, there is a word. Whatever you're going through today, whatever decision you're trying to make, whatever crossroads you're at, get in the word of God. Inquire of God. Number three, I only have eight points. <laughs> what you laughing at. <laughs> I just saw fear on a little kid's face. <laughs> Such fear. The courageous church acts on the word of God. First Samuel 30, 9 and 10, verse 9, check this out. So David went. So David went. So David, so David went, strengthened himself, got a word from God and went. He didn't come out of his prayer closet and call. See, we, this is why we don't have committees here. Committee is a cuss word here, <laughs> right? We have people who have prayed through and really read the Bible and say, hey, this might be a good idea. You might want to pray about this. Committee. <laughs> David didn't come out and say, okay, everybody gather around. Everybody gather around and we are going to talk. We're going to talk. I've got a PowerPoint presentation put together. There will be refreshments after this. And we're going to talk. We're going to talk. At some point, we're going to talk about hard stuff. And one of those things we're going to talk about is whether or not we should pursue our wives and our children. And I know there are some out there that would say that's a no brainer, <laughs> but I really think that we need to talk about this. Oh! David went. He and the 600 men who were with him and came to the Brook Resort where those stayed who were left behind. David went. He got a word from God. And David went. David stepped out by what does it take to act on God's word? It takes faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You get a word from God and your faith grows. Your faith grows because you have a word from God. And as you stand on that word and you act on that word and you put actions to that word for we know the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And and so, oh, I got a word from God. You keep that word tucked away for forever. It it does no good. You've got to put that into action. Whatever God's called you to, you've got to step out in faith and say, you know what? David went. I don't care who's going. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. If you want to stone me, you're going to have to hit me in the back because I'm on my way to recover what the enemy has taken from me. Verse 10 But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the brook Bazor. We're going to get back to those people in just a little while. You, You think about this just for a moment. The Courageous Church acts on the Word of God. You want to talk about going to another dimension in your spiritual walk with Jesus Christ? Start reading the Word. And, get a, and you watch God line the word up with the circumstance that you're going through. Some of those of you who have been walking with God for a while know what I'm talking about. You watch him line the word of God up. Could be just in your daily reading. That's why it's good to have a daily read. But, but some, somewhere along the way, he will, he will show you in the Bible exactly how he has already taken care of your situation. And when you get that kind of assurance... Man, you grab it, and it changes the way you speak. It changes the way you live. It changes the way you look. It changes the way you behave. It changes, it changes everything as you begin to operate from a standpoint of victory. So, so here's the idea. David had strengthened himself in the Lord his God, realigned his circumstances in the reference of God's greatness. He then asked the main question, should I go? Should I stay or should I go? Will we win? Will we overtake them? God says, yes, Go. So David goes, he acts on the word of God. Now watch, watch what happens. As David is going, some men get tired and they stay behind at the brook. We call, it, we call that a plopping point. And, and so 400 men keep going with David. Number, number four, I think we're on. The courageous church realizes everyone has value in the journey. Don't lose me here. The Courageous Church realizes that everyone has value in the journey. I'm so glad that Coastline Community Church has always been and will always be whosoever will come. Everyone is welcome at Coastline Community Church. If I ever see any of you get high and mighty and have your super Christian underoos on and look down at someone else because they're not as enlightened as you and they're not as spiritual as you, the spirit of slap is going to come on me and God is going to allow that spirit to work through me because we will have none of that because if it wasn't for God's grace and God's mercy you wouldn't be sitting here today not one of us in this room is any better than the attic under the bridge down the street not one of us is in. listen to me listen close there's somebody out there right now we need to find that can preach way better than I can there's somebody out there we need to find oh Jesus hang on Everyone, everyone has value in the journey. Verse 11, 1 Samuel 30. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. Remember David being a foreshadow of Christ here. And they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. What happens if you have no water for three, three days and three nights? your organs begin to do what? Shut down, right? We can go for a while without eating, some of us. And, but without, without drinking, your organs shut down, right? I mean, so he's, he's dead. The enemy, so watch this. So then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. Everyone belong, has a part in the journey. Everyone has a part in the journey. Listen, they, this is what the enemy will do to you. The enemy will use you up, spit you out, and leave you for dead. He was a slave to the enemy that had attacked Ziklag. He was a slave to the enemy. And so, so that's what the enemy does. He just leaves you. The world will, will use you up and then push you aside when, you're, when you can't serve the world anymore. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. We burned Ziklag with fire. We burned Ziklag with fire. We burned Ziklag with fire. You think David's paying attention now? We burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down there, there they were spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Listen to me. Listen close. The courageous church realizes everyone has value on the journey. This Egyptian slave had the information for David's restoration of everything that had been taken from him. And and here, here we see David come along, just like Jesus came along for us, and he resuscitated us with the, the living water of his Holy Spirit, and he resuscitated us with the bread of his word. And he begins, this is what they do for the slave. They they, they find him, they care for him they restore him, and then they give him a purpose. That's discipleship, my friend. That's what we're here to do. You've got to find that person that's unfindable. You've got to help restore them through grace and truth, and then you've got to release them with purpose through the Word of God. A year ago in June, we set out to raise a million dollars to build this building. The, believe me, the building's like eight million. But we, we, God laid on my heart to, to say, hey, we can raise a million dollars in cash. And don't do anything before you do that. People were like, Z that's a lot of money. I can tell you to this day, we, we've raised almost two million dollars in cash. Now, watch this. But before any of that happened, by the way, you can still fill out one of those cards. Seriously. As long as we keep using our money, we don't have to borrow any. So, so, but going into that, I was tired. I was tired, and I was like, God, you're really going to have to give me something to latch on to if I'm going to lead these people through a, a a building venture. I hate the word program. A building adventure. Because isn't that what it is? Whew. A building adventure. You had, you had to give me some new fire. I mean, and I'm praying, and the Lord just dropped this one word in my heart: discipleship. And in nanoseconds, just like God can do, I saw Coastline Community Church as somewhat of a community college, where people were learning about—I mean, I could see it learning the Bible. Where I could see them—I could see them in my mind: young, tattered, married couples, barely getting their kids checked into nursery, walking into a classroom. And they've signed up for a class on marriage. Their marriage is about gone. And they walk in and they see an older couple who's been there, done that, but's made it. That puts their arms around them and begins to teach them how to treat one another, and begins to teach them things like love tank, and begins to teach them about the crazy cycle in marriage. And then that young young couple realizes they're not the only one, and they, they begin to fall back in love with one another. And their kids see the love in their home, and there's no more yelling, and there's no more screaming, and the kids love the new mom and dad, and they begin to raise up those kids, and they're impacting and impacting future generations. Or or I could see I could see just just as plain as day somebody walking into a classroom that wanted to go deeper in God and learning something like the New Testament survey. I could see plain as day somebody walking into a classroom that had 50 credit cards and learning how to handle money God's way. I could see plain as day somebody walking into a, a, a recovery group on, on a Tuesday night through an outside entrance uh, that had a problem with addiction. I could see plain as day raising up people, building people. I can see it. I can still see it. I can see finding people like David found the Egyptian slave in the wilderness and resuscitate resuscitating them with the living word of God, resuscitating them through the Holy Spirit, building people. That's what it's all about. Jesus said, go and make this. That's what it's always been about, Raina. That's what it was about in the house. That's what it was about in the back of those stinking hot trailers, putting music stuff in and taking it out and touching the chair. That's what it was about, changing clothes in the middle school bathroom because you're sweating so bad from setting up a hundred chairs. And you know what? Middle school bathroom smell like? They smell like middle schoolers. That's what it's always been about. It's always been about people. That's what it was about. Eating peanut butter and jelly for a long time. That's what it was about. Eating vianey sausages for a long time. But God was always there and there was always a word to stand on. When we felt like going back, no, I have wholeheartedly replanted you in this land. You put your feet down and you plant them and you do what I've called you to do. It's always been about people when we stop loving people we quit doing our job we have got to move the kingdom of God forward through loving people in grace and truth and then releasing them to purpose releasing them to destiny and that's what discipleship is about <laughs> we so many times think that we just reach a place where we know God and we're good. And we, we gossip about people whose lives are just falling apart. And, and to me, that's courageous. When everyone else is gossiping, you shut your mouth and you run in, you rush in and say, hey, I'm here and I got somebody with me. His name's Jesus. You can do this. We can do this. Discipleship. Discipleship. See it. See it. Taste it. You, our world you, every human inside of them longs to make a difference this is a generation of causes everywhere there's causes we have the greatest cause of all and we treat it so flippantly sometimes man there are people out there that need to know Jesus there are people out there that God puts so much gifting in and they just they just need to know that Jesus can use it, that he loves them and that he can use that gifting to for his glory. Wow. A courageous church realizes that everyone has a place on the journey. Don't you dare look down your nose at anyone that comes in these doors. Discipleship. He was a slave to the enemy. The enemy left him for dead. David resuscitated him. He had the information for his restoration. I will lead you to them. Purpose, if you don't kill me, destiny. Number five. Told you I eight points. <laughs> the courageous church fights from a standpoint of victory. I almost titled this, The Courageous Church Doesn't Fight Fair. The courageous church fights from a standpoint of victory. First Samuel 30, 17 through 20. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. This is God's spoil. This is... So, so David goes and he fights from a standpoint... He fights for good. Why? Because he strengthened himself in the Lord. Why? Because he he realizes he's got a word from God. He knows he's going to win. He knows he's going to overtake. Shall I pursue them and will I overtake them? Yes. Pursue them and you will surely overtake them. Can't be much plainer than that. We win. We win. Stop fighting the battles in your life from a standpoint of defeat. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Married couples in this room that got kids in your house, they listen to what you say. They hear you. Stop speaking negatively over, well, if we just had this, we'd be, it's the weed eater, remember? (laughs) Start, take that circumstance in your life, wayward children, finance, family members, job situations, bosses that are demonic, you know, start taking that that situation in your life and you begin to just speak faith over it in a positive way. This isn't some hunky-dory new age, da-da-da. No, no, this is biblical. Get a new perspective on your situation and start speaking from a standpoint of victory. Like God, we do win. David David went in, and basically all David did was do what God said he was going to do. He just followed the road map, right? He just followed the the instructions. Go, yes, okay, I'll go. David went, 200 stayed behind. He showed up, done. They got back everything. Some of you here today, and I know a lot of you have been through a tough year, and you say, well, how can you say I'll get back everything? He's going to connect the dots one day. We know this world's fallen, and we know bad stuff happened, but he will connect the dots for you one day. And when you look him when you look at him face to face and no longer see the shadow but see the real him you you will understand when he gives you that that white stone with your name engraved on it that only he knows in that moment everything's going to make sense everything for our light momentary troubles they all make sense so, so the courageous church you think about fighting from a standpoint of victory look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58 but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord in other words keep going because if you don't quit keep keep going I've had my grandson for the past couple of days, and man, I'm telling you that ju- those, those kids will wear you out. <laughs> I'll be 45 in next month or, or the month after that, and I, I, don't, I don't, my daughter works out, and I'm like, "Why in the heck you need to work out? You don't need to work out. You chase this kid around all day." She said, like, "She's like, I don't work out. I work out so I don't kill him." Just, <laughs> <laughs> but, but. But it, just, 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 just playing with him and, and and how how sweet it is. But we've been doing this little thing, the happy dance. I, I've gotten him to do the happy dance. remember? Can you get? You got your kids to do that. And so I came in the other day. I've been gone and came in. And he looked around the corner. He's only like 15 months old, and he goes, "Oh, that'll make you behave. That'll make you." I mean, oh, God. Yeah. I want I want him for all the days of his life to know he wins. I want him to run and jump in God's arms just like he runs and jumps in my arms. All the days of his life. Last thing. The craziest church extends the grace it has received. Oh, how important is this. The Bible says that Jesus came full of and he came full of grace and truth. The Courageous Church extends the grace it has received. This, this is how this plays out in the local church. You find out things about people that you thought were perfect or near perfect. And then you have a, chance, you have a choice right there to say, oh, I'm going I'm to talk about that. Or you have a choice to say, let me look at myself. Oh, I'm not perfect. I'm going to extend that grace because I've accepted grace from God I've, you can't give what you've not accepted but since I've accepted grace from God I'm going to turn and I'm going to give grace watch what David does of the greatest leadership lessons in the Bible that's far overlooked watch this how many men stayed at the brook Eugene Patterson's book Leap Over the Wall calls it plopping point and we've all been there tired, done, I'm over it and he talks about how good the mud must have felt in the toes of the men who've been running all night The water, drinking that water. David had a word. David wasn't going to stay there. David and 400 men keep going. So now they come back to the brook. Now David came to the, the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David. Whom they also had made to stay at the brook bazaar. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. When David came near the people, he greeted them. Very important. Verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. I don't know about you, but I would not have liked to been one of the men at the creek when another man brought my wife back. I'm just saying. I mean... Yeah, I was saved at a young age and lived a really wild, reckless life. And one of the things that really got me back into church is Raina Raina got saved at our marriage counseling. And and I was still living own Dill, kind of. And she would come home and talk about all these men at church. I was like, (laughs) I started going to church. watch this, then they say, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them and go away and depart. In other words, they're no longer a part of us. The wicked men, remember I told you this was like the church? Yeah, following David. And so, so but David said, my brother, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. David's saying, stop. God has done a great thing today. He's done such a great thing. He showed us grace. He's given us back what was taken. Look what he's done for us. How could you then turn and be mean to someone? Verse 24. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies they share alike. Let me ask you a question. What did they find when they came back to Ziklag. Everything had been what? And and everything had been taken. So you got to ask yourself, what were they guarding? Nothing. David extends grace that wasn't deserved. He extends grace because he knows what it is to have a God of grace. He extends grace because he's lived long enough to know that there's no victory in bitterness. Oh man, what a beautiful picture of Jesus. What a beautiful picture of Jesus on the cross who says, you know what? I am going to die and extend grace to you even though we know we don't deserve that grace. He said, I'm going to do that so you can be restored back to my heart. So you can have peace with God. So you can be at peace with God. I got a question for you today. So back, the courageous church should extend the grace it's received. May we always be a church that extends grace in truth. Now, now don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we change the way we believe to make someone feel comfortable. Do you hear that? That's not what I'm saying. But we show grace in truth. David said, no, 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 don't do that. And isn't that what Jesus did for us at the cross? Look at Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You've often went, how how am I at peace with God? Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here. You say, how do I have peace with God? It's a very valid question. Well, you have peace with God because you're justified by faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ through whom we've also, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we put our faith in Jesus and we're at peace with God. And not only are we at peace with God, we're granted an access into this grace in which we now stand living in God's grace. And friend, there's no measuring stick for God's grace, right? I mean, there there is, there's just none. The first service this morning, I was worshiping and you are good, good, oh, good. You are good, good, oh, good. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm just getting lost in worship, and I'm thinking about God's goodness. And in my, in my mind's eye, I just thought about how I don't deserve the goodness, but, but oh, God, you're so good. And, and there's no lack. And right when you think that goodness and that grace and that mercy is going to run out, there's a whole other storehouse of a universe filled with grace and mercy that he opens up. <whistles> That's what he did at the cross. Are you at peace with God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? It's a great, great question. Very valid question. Are you at peace with God? If you can't say yes to that, the Bible says the only way to be at peace with God is through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Eternal peace. And then you're granted access into this grace in which we now stand. Would you bow your heads all over this place? whether you're in this room or you're watching online, if that's you and you say, you know what? I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm not at peace with God. I'm just not at peace with God. And I can't point to a moment in time where I've ever said, God, take my life, take my heart. If that's you and you say, I I need to do that. I need to be saved today. I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I see your hand. Thank you. Just put it right back down. Anyone else? I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Thank you. That is awesome. Awesome. I see your hand. Anyone else before we pray? I want to lead you in a prayer. And Maybe you're watching online. I want to lead you in a prayer if you know you need to make this decision for Christ. And when church is dismissed, Come up to this table get a Bible and a seven-day devotion. If you're online, go to our starting point page. Email us. Download the devotion, email us, and we'll have a pastor call you back. But most importantly, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. God, thank you for chasing me, and thank you that you've brought me to this place of understanding that I need your grace. I know I don't deserve it, but I need it. So at this very moment right now God I'm confessing in my heart I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ and I'm confessing I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin I believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life I believe that Jesus Christ took my death and sin on the cross I believe that Jesus Christ was placed in a grave and I believe that Jesus Christ rose from that grave on the third day and I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back for me one day so right now God take my life Jesus be my Lord and Savior Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that's flooding my soul at this very moment. Thank you that I'm a new creation.